welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we preview the Banjo Bowl with Daryl Davis of the Regina Leader Post and also our week one NFL picks. And by our, I mean Skylar Peters because I don't want to do picks anymore. I suck at them, so I'm going to make him do it on the podcast. Let's go to Regina now. Get the visitor's angle on tomorrow's Banjo Bowl with Daryl Davis of the Regina Leader Post. Now, I've heard, Daryl, that uh, in Regina, tomorrow's game isn't co- as commonly referred to as the Banjo Bowl. Is that right? Well, the fans call it that, and even the Rough Rider players, the ones who know about it, will call it the Banjo Bowl. But the, for, ever since uh, it came into existence in 2004, the Rough Riders have hated the term. They think that, that begra- it degrades their fans, that it makes the Saskatchewan people look bad. I know it was all done in fun. Troy Westwood and I was writing regularly for the Regional Leader Post in those days and wrote the stories about it. And, and uh, the players, uh, I remember Scott Schultz, a defensive lineman for the Rough Riders, making styrofoam banjos that he was going to turn out as a, as a, a big, uh, a, you know, some sort of um, a wonderful souvenir of, the, of the, the games. And the Rough Riders themselves told him, don't do that. We're not promoting this game as the Banjo Bowl because they just thought the term was derogatory. But it's only the team, Christian, it's only the people at the top of the, the totem pole who think that uh, it shouldn't be called the Banjo Bowl. Almost everybody else in Saskatchewan calls it that. Okay, because I, I heard Craig Dickinson yesterday say he prefers Labor Day rematch. Yeah, well, that's the term that comes from the that's the term that comes from the head office. They think it's it's much more dignified. But you no, know, you know, we all call it the Banjo Bowl, and any player who who talks about it and knows anything about the tradition, they they're not offended by it. It's just kind of been ordered on, and I I'm pretty sure the radio broadcasters aren't allowed to call it the the Banjo Bowl, and uh, it's, it's just a, oh. you know a tempest in a teapot. Well, obviously here in Winnipeg, all you see and hear is banderable, 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 because it, it's obviously a coin phrase about the folks over to the west of us here. So uh, it's, I mean, it's its a catching moniker, right? You can't deny that. Yeah, and you can play music throughout the whole the whole game, right? Banjo music. You get a lot of dueling banjos over it. So it, it, it's its funny. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a Saskatchewan guy. I grew up here. I lived here all my life. I was never offended by by Troy Westwood. I know some people were, and some people in the organization were, you know, and Danny Baird was the head coach of the Rough Riders then, and he refused to have any say, anything to do with it. Uh, I remember that, I think they made a trophy about the Banjo Bowl. I don't know if it's still around even, and uh, the Riders won one of the games and just let, wouldn't even go to the trophy presentation. They they left it on the table, and they were just always disgusted and feigned that this was horrible, horrible thing that they would do to the inflict their, their fans upon, inflict upon their fans. So it was always thought of as a bad thing, but you know, most of us and uh, everybody else calls it the banjo bowl and enjoys it. Good for them. It's promotion. It sells tickets. It gets people interested in it. That's what this is all about. Well, there is a trophy. Yes. Uh, but uh, as long as they have that attitude, as far as I'm concerned, that only adds juice to it. Because if you, if you kind of go in on the joke, I think it loses its, its, its hold over you. If you're the rough riders, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. that's probably a little, that's, that's probably true as well. But, uh, you know the the fact that it, that it offends some people at the Rough Riders. They don't come out and say it quite as much as you would think they do. But I know that there's there's like an inner inner group that says no, we can't. It's not up to us to call it that. We call it the Labor Day rematch here. So uh, they don't want to ever. There are some, and there are probably some fans, some people in the backwoods of Saskatchewan who are still offended by the term being called banjo picking and bridge. I guess you know technically it is probably an insulting thing, but it was. It was meant in good fun. Let's have some good fun with it. 
All right. So the game itself, regardless of what you call it, is important because it is two rivals and they're going into IG Field tomorrow, coming off a, a very entertaining close contest Sunday with the Riders coming out on top. That's two straight impressive wins by the Rough Riders over BC and Winnipeg. But this has been a place where it's been hard for them the last number of years. What are you expecting from the Riders tomorrow afternoon? Boy, I wasn't expecting them to win in Regina last week. So uh, the fact that they that they did was really quite surprising. The fact they did after that penalty by Pete Robertson, which I know is quite an issue all the time, the fact that they were able to come back, uh, they, they, they gave up a touchdown right after that and were down by four points and managed to come back and, and tie it and then win in overtime was really a surprise to me. It, for them, it's probably, for the football team, for the Rough Riders, it's probably a galvanizing moment. They'll look at it and say, you know, this is maybe where our season turned around, if it did turn around. Out, in fact, uh, going to Winnipeg and why haven't they done well against Winnipeg? Well, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have had a great football team. They go to Grey Cups and they win Grey Cups and the Rough Riders haven't been at that level for quite a while. So that's why they've had trouble winning the Banjo Bowl. That's why they've had trouble winning at all against Winnipeg. Winnipeg's been a better football team. Uh, the fact that the Rough Riders did it with a third string quarterback is really quite amazing. Jake Dalagala has stepped forward on, on this, on this team, uh, we, we were watching them from training camp and wondering why they didn't use Jake Dolagala as the backup to Trevor Harris when Trevor Harris got hurt. Instead, they went to Mason Fine, who most of us, many of us around here thought, boy, he's just not very good in comparison to Jake Dolagala. So when Mason Fine got hurt and they put Dolagala in the offense, started clicking and the entire team all of a sudden seemed to have some confidence. They thought they played better on defense. They played better on special teams. They, they got a lot of things going and it was all stemming back to the quarterback. So the fact that the coaches didn't play Jake Dalagala, that's a black mark on their, on their resumes because they should, they should have seen better that Dalagala was the better quarterback, but uh, they didn't. And now that they are playing him, they're win- they've won a couple of football games. Uh, they played exceptionally well against BC, played very well against Winnipeg, and, and Dalagala has given them a chance and inspired the football team. And that's why they, they, they go into the Banjo Bowl at least having a chance to win, but they've lost too many players, and I cannot foresee the Saskatchewan Roughriders winning in Winnipeg this weekend, but, but I've been wrong before. Kind of like the Elks and how the heck they just didn't play Trey Ford earlier, and you wonder what their season would have been like had they done that. But back to the injury woes for the Rough Riders, who are some of the key pieces that they're going to be missing tomorrow? Well, they've lost. They're losing uh, two or three offensive linemen. Like they, they've been missing Philip Blake all season. Now they lost their right tackle Kelly. They've lost Evan Johnson, one of their guards. Uh, they did lose a player during the. Uh, they lost Kelly during the game, the Labor Day Classic, and had to juggle their offensive line. And it hasn't been a very good offensive line for a few seasons, but. As we said, with Dolagala playing quarterback, they look better now. It, it seems like they don't have to protect as long. Uh, the, the, uh, the, whole, the whole offensive unit is playing better, and the Rough Riders' have, the offensive line has looked better. But losing starters, they're basically down four starters. One of the guys they wanted to start at left tackle hasn't been able to play most of the year. He got hurt. So they're, they're, their weak offensive line is just getting weaker and weaker, it seems like, and I think that's a huge blow to the Rough Riders. They also lost uh, Jaden Dalkey, their, their starting safety uh, in the last game. So that's a huge loss for them. Jackson Ford, the rookie, will step in. 
Jackson Ford made a big play. He knocked down that last pass by Zach Calaros trying to get the uh, two-point convert to tie it in overtime. So he's made a play, but I don't think he's quite as dependable yet as their previous starting safety. So those are a few guys, and when you think about it, they're actually down to their third-string quarterback. So there are some people on the injury list who the Rough Riders would like to have in their lineup. So you're not going to give the Rough Riders much of a chance here. If he could have a percentage (laughs) figure on it, what would it be? Oh, boy. 15, 10, 15 percent. Mm. <clears throat> you know, uh, I, I, what's the point spread now? Seven and a half points or something, I it think. Was eight so, and a half uh, yesterday. Yeah, and that's kind of what it was coming. It was even bigger, I think, when Winnipeg was coming into Saskatchewan. Weird things happen, Christian. Who knows? It's the Canadian Football League, and that's why we love it so much because funny things happen. But this is a long shot for the Rough Riders. Well, for the Blue Bombers' point of view, you just can't expect Zach Kolaris to complete 50% of his passes again and have the kind of first half that they had, right? The Bombers strike me as a team that just isn't isn't going to do that two games in a row. Absolutely. You know, they, the, the Bombers have proven this year, you know, when people are always t- trying to look at the Bombers and say, you know what, they're a little bit older, they're, they're not as good, and once in a while they'll have a bad game. They've had a couple of stinkers this year when you think about it, but they've always been able to b- bounce back. When they've been humbled, they've been even better the next time around, right? Uh, they, they, they know that it's time to show, show off, to say, hey, look, at we are pretty good, and they're able, able to do that all the time. And that's the type of showing we expect, that, you know, a lot of us are expecting, I think, to come back at the, in the Banjo Bowl. So if it is indeed a split, how do the riders look for the rest of the year? Because the CFL's uh, latest simulator uh, that came out today has Saskatchewan at 91% odds of making the playoffs. Oh, they look that way. You know, it's, they're, they're better than Calgary. They're better than Edmonton. So that means that, they, that they're the third be- at least the third best team in the West, and they should make it. There's not going to, it doesn't look like, even at the beginning of the season, it was funny. It looked like the Eastern teams might cross over into the playoffs, but now that's, that's a long shot. So the Rough Riders making the playoffs, oh, yeah. That, that's, that's almost a sure thing. I can understand that. And they have an easier schedule. You know, they've just gone through the teeth of their schedule. When you think that they back to back against Winnipeg, BC was in there. They've, they've had, uh, they had the Argonauts in there for a while. They, that trip to Montreal, they were horrible in Montreal. So they, they've, they're just coming out of the toughest part of their schedule and it's easier in the back third of it. You know, they, they do have a, I think they got a game in Calgary. They play Ottawa again. Uh, I think Toronto's in Regina. So there's, there's some games that the Rough Riders have a chance to win. Uh, earlier this season, I might not have thought that, but now it looks like the Rough Riders are at least a competitive football team and 91% chance of making the playoffs. Absolutely. I, I, I see them as a playoff team. I don't know if they're championship caliber yet. They're pretty decent, even with, uh, with their third-string quarterback in there, but they're, they're good enough to make the playoffs, that's for sure. One last question before I let you go, and it's on Pete Robertson because we haven't talked about him all that much. I mean, he's been suspended. They're taking it, and we move along. But how do you feel the team handled that this week and putting him out there? Put him out there Wednesday. He talked about it. He owned it. Craig Dickinson apologized to Zach Kolaris. Uh, how do you think the team handled this whole thing? Way better than uh, a year ago. Remember when Garrett Marino, the defensive mm-hmm. tackle, destroyed Jeremy Mazzoli's leg, and it was a vicious, malicious hit. When you look at the, and Marino had that reputation, and that's how he played. Uh, Pete Robertson, and I heard Zach Kalaris talking about it, isn't thought of as a dirty player. He's a clean player. He did a stupid thing, caught up in the heat of the moment. Uh, no way he should have done it. He should have been penalized for it. He should have been suspended for it. He accepted that. 
<clears throat> I judge players a lot of the way, a lot of times for all the years I've been following the Canadian Football League by how they and their team react to it. They didn't know what they were doing last year. They went, they they hid in a gopher hole for for uh, if you want to be metaphorical about it last season. But this season, Pete Robertson was at his locker after the game, not like Gary Marino who ran and hid last year. Pete Robertson was at his locker after the game. Uh, the media asked him about the event. He said that uh, he, he thought that it was that what he had done was wrong. He was he obviously felt badly for what he had done to his team. He also felt badly what he did to Zach Kalaros. And uh, you know, when he says he's going to reach out later on and, and apologize, I believe him. He, there's some sincerity to this. The Rough Riders did a pretty good job making sure he was there to answer those questions. Uh, his teammates answered those questions. They didn't do anything foolish. Last year, they all stood behind Garrett Marino at a press conference with their arms crossed. A bunch of them didn't, trying to intimidate the media and saying, oh, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Garrett Marino's a great player. But no, he wasn't. He was an immature player. Pete Robertson has taken this the way and, and accepted the guilt for it, apologized to his teammates, said he's glad that Zach Kolaros is not hurt. He did a stupid thing. He regrets it. Craig Dickinson, the head coach, said the same thing. His teammates are saying the same thing. As far as it can happen, you'll say that, you know, it was a stupid thing, and Pete Robertson admits to that. But in terms of handling it like a mature football team and mature adults, they've done a very good job of that this year. They know it was a mistake, but in terms of dealing with it, that is a good sign. To me, it means that they're capable of moving on, and it's not going to just linger and destroy the locker room like last year's incident did. So I, I think I give them kudos for that. I know that they're not proud of what happened. Pete Robertson certainly isn't proud of what happened, nor should he be. But the way they've handled it since then, I think is a pretty good thing. Well, Daryl, appreciate your time for this. Uh, thanks for coming on the show and enjoy watching the game tomorrow. A game that you don't think will be very good or close. <laughs> they're always good. I always enjoy every game, but I don't think it's, I, I can't see it being close Christian. I just think the the bombers are mad. They should be, and they're a good football team. And when they're mad and with, as talented as they are, that's usually when they come, in, come out quite explosive. Your first pick of the 2023 season, what are you going to do? I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. And in fact, I have taken them... Um, well, I've had them in the in the book for about a week already. They, I think it's a popular pick. Yeah, and there's I I'm actually surprised because uh, like the Niners were a good football team last year, and, and we led, know you don't like them. No, uh, and that leads in you know it makes it a bit easier to take their opponent. Um, Pittsburgh's a tough place to go and open your season. There's no doubt about that. Their defense is incredibly stout. Mike Tomlin's one of the best coaches in the league. He'll have these guys ready to play. And uh, to get a couple of points at home against a Niners team that's going to start a quarterback that people have questions about replicating what he did, period, but also coming off surgery on his throwing arm, um, you know, that presented enough of an opportunity for me to take the Steelers. Uh, I would love an upset at Heinz or what is it called now? Acrisure Stadium in Pittsburgh. It's Heinz Field, folks. Come yeah. on. Um, now they're down to uh, plus two, plus two period. I did get them a plus two and a half. Okay. And uh, the really smart people got them a plus three like a week and a half so ago. Number, so the money's on Pittsburgh then. A little bit of movement. Yeah, it hasn't really done anything since uh, Tuesday. That was when the Niners had their first practice of the week. At that time, Nick Bosa was not with them. Uh, he he has should since signed. play, though. He, oh, he's going to be there. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. And uh, he signed the big deal, and, and he'll be there for sure. But, uh, okay. I mean, TJ Watt's on the other side of the field, too. It's so. true. All right, so he's going Pittsburgh plus two. What else you got? Uh, I'm going to take the Falcons. Uh, this is a home favorite just outside a key number, which 
I don't really like. Um, they three are and a half. they are minus three and a half uh, hosting the Carolina Panthers. Bryce like Young. One. Yeah, I, I mean the Falcons seem like a more uh, a team that's ready to hit the ground running. We don't really know what the future holds for them. Literally, this season. because they are going to run yeah. the ball a ton. <laughs> yeah. They have three running backs that could that could start on fifteen teams probably with uh, B. John Robinson, Corderell Patterson, and uh, Tyler Algier. So yeah, expect a heavy dose of the ground game. And Desmond um, Ritter is a, pl- a quarterback that I would think would also be someone prone to running too. Yeah, he's he's pretty mobile. He's smaller quarterback, uh, and he's kind of got the reins to this offense. And it's not been a question. Well, we don't um, know much about him really. No. But I do think there's just going to be some continuity. It's been his team since the start of training camp. Uh, and I think Arthur Smith will have these guys ready to go. I don't expect much from the Panthers and Bryce Young this year. There's just not a lot of help. DJ Chark's not playing for them. He was ruled out a little bit earlier today. Uh, so I do have the Falcons at minus three and a half. Okay. I th- that seems like a, a good pick. I, I, I like your pick so far. What's your third? I think you'll like this one, too. Uh, this is going to be a popular survivor pick. Uh, there is no doubt the Washington Commanders oh, yeah. are home to the Arizona Cardinals. The Commanders are more than a touchdown favorite against anybody. I, <laughs> yeah. They are on a touchdown right now. So you get oh, the, you got the touchdown. Yeah, okay. get the key number. Uh, this is a bet three, six, five. Okay. And, uh, you know, at least if they somehow win by just seven, uh, you'll push it. We're not expecting much out of the Cardinals this year, guys. No. This is probably one of the weaker opponents they'll play all year. Um, all I had to see was that video of uh, Jonathan Gannon addressing the team in the meeting room. And he said, you got to have fire in your gut. And then the camera panned around to the 53 guys in the room. And they're like, what? <laughs> they cut Colt McCoy. Like they're, they're just preparing to lose every football game this year. They want to pick one too. in May. Uh-huh. that's what they're looking forward to. Yeah. Uh, and I do have higher expectations for Sam Howell and, and Ron Rivera. Um, Rivera was quoted as saying earlier this year how he started Howell in week 17. They won that game and he was really surprised. He wished he had kind of gone to him earlier. Uh, mm. It's just like it is with Ritter. It's Howell's team right now. Um, and there's enough, there's enough weapons in that offense. Eric B is going to coach these guys up pretty well. He was the old chiefs offensive coordinator and uh, man, last night they looked like they could have used uh, him scheming up a couple of plays as well. So um, I think Washington will get their, get their season started with a win. I don't have high hopes for them throughout the entire season, but uh, this is more more of a bet against Arizona. I think a lot of people are just going to be putting whoever Arizona is facing against in parlays, in teasers, in all the things. And by the way, I I just put your three teams uh, that the three money lines for the teams you just picked against the spread plus three thirty three for them to all win outright. Yeah, now, Pittsburgh and, and Pittsburgh's going to be the yeah. they're, they're plus odds to win. I I feel quite confident in the other two. So if you like Pittsburgh, maybe you just sweeten the pot a little bit. You know, throw a fiver on that or something. Plus one hundred six for just Falcons Commanders. Okay. That seems reasonable. Okay, so the new edition, because I don't want to ruin my Sundays by losing fake bets and <laughs> for my mental health more than anything, we're going to make you choose yours or mine, Seattle or Minnesota. You have to pick one of them. Minnesota at home against Tampa Bay. The number's been moving down all week. It's now minus 5.5 at home against Tampa Bay. The Seattle Seahawks are at home, minus 5.5 against the Rams. Who do you like? Minus 5.5 at home against a team that we don't think is probably very good. I feel like you get it down to minus 5.5 for the Vikings, and you got to be really interested. But the steam that's taking it down to that number... 
has me a little concerned. Why is this moving down? And, you know, there is reason for some pessimism with the Vikings last year, and um, they won a lot of close games, a lot of one-score games, a lot of comebacks, and uh, didn't show up in the playoffs. So the outlook on this team is kind of mixed, and that's why they're not the favorite in the NFC North. And the Lions, of course, got a win last night to start it off. Um, I'm going to take the Seahawks. I'm going to go. Okay. I'm going to go with my guys here okay. out of the gate. Uh, that's nothing to do against the Vikings. I, I think they win the game. I'm just interested to see why this line's moving and and what might transpire um, for the Vikes as well. What, but uh, sharp money on the Bucks. Going on. Yeah, like the the Bucks are going to win like four or five games. They they have the probably There's the no worst Baker starting Mayfield quarterback in the league. Oh, the second worst starting quarterback in the league outside of uh, outside Whoever of Arizona. Starts for Arizona. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Baker's better than both of them, yeah. and that actually takes some effort to say that. So the I mean the Seahawks are ready to go. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, his availability was in question. He's going to play wrist surgery a couple of weeks ago, very minor. Um, so the full complement of wide receiver uh, threats is out there for Seattle, and uh, I'm really excited to see this offense get to work another year of geno smith got some questions about the defense but i do feel like uh this is a good game for those guys to kind of get their feet under them get some confidence going against the rams team that's going to miss their best player in cooper cup and finally i'm gonna just get your thoughts on one game a week that you didn't pick but i think let's get your thoughts on it it might be a big marquee game that you didn't pick it might be a big marquee game that you didn't pick or Maybe just the grossest game on the board that I want your thoughts on. We're going to go marquee Bills Jets yeah. on Monday night. Aaron Rodgers, the world will be watching to see if he's any good with the Jets. Bills minus two and a half. And you said in Wednesday's show, you think the Jets should win this division. And if they're going to do that, a win Monday night seems to be a prerequisite. Plus two and a half. I'm going to think you're going to pick the Jets then? They're going to play the Bills again, but it's going to be in Orchard Park, and it's going to be a bit later in the year, and that's tough even for another uh, Northeast team to go in there and try and win a football game. So it is in the best interest of the Jets to win this one. I people keep like I mean the Bills are like a top five team in terms of uh, being a Super Bowl favorite, but people kind of seem down on them over the off season and coming into this year, just compared to the expectations they've had in years past, which I find really interesting. And I thought that might get this number like this could be a pick 'em. Um, it's not, and I'm gonna take the Jets at home. It's prime time. This is Aaron Rodgers has just been waiting for this. You know, a lot of people, they either doubt him or don't like him. And he wants to shut all those people up. Um, they they have a, a very, very good looking roster and a good coach in Robert Sala. And uh, this is a playoff team. And yeah, getting, I mean, it's, it's first of all, it's 9-11. It's in New York. People are going to be fired up for that. Um, and I Don't think, ask Rodgers about that, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is kind of funny that he's their quarterback and he doesn't really believe it happened. But kind of brushed that under the rug, didn't you? Um, yeah. <laughs> J- give me the Jets. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching this one, seeing how it plays out. Uh, certainly not a game I would put my money on. So I'm kind of more of leaning Jets than betting Jets. Um, okay. But that's where I'd go for that one. Okay. Okay, good to know. Okay, so to round up, you, you're leaning Jets. You're you're going to put your money where your heart is with the Seahawks minus five and a half. And head. Yeah, and head and there. Head. Yeah, the Rams shouldn't be very good. You've got the Steelers plus two at home. It's two and a half in some spots, two in some other spots. Either way, you like the Steelers. You got the Falcons minus three and a half at home against the Panthers. And you got the Commanders minus seven and a half at home 
against the Cardinals. The putrid. The very bad Arizona Cardinals. We will keep track of your progress, sir, and see if uh, five weeks from now you have any money left. What's 18 times five? 190 and 0. The road starts now. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all that they should. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the